This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. So much to talk about. I wish we just had 24 hours to burn through all the emails and different show prep that we have, Mark, but we just don't, so we have to be very, very choosy uh, about what we go and talk about. But one of the big pieces of news has to be that the terrorist watch list has expanded. Well, it's been expanding, but it's expanded past a pretty big milestone. One million names. There are one million names on the terrorist watch list. Now, remember, if your name matches a name on the terrorist watch list... You will be selected as the super special selectee where they do everything but give you a enema before they let you on the plane. And uh, you have to do it every single time you go on the plane because you cannot be removed from the terrorist watch list. So just because you hear that there are one million names doesn't mean there are only a million people being hassled. They're more than that. Right. So there's uh, that's I mean there's news about uh, that and you've actually got a related email I do and I think we should actually go with the email from the email listeners. before the be before the story I mean, the, the news is the same right that the terrorist watch list is a million plus names now and it continues to grow you can't get off the list what else is there to say not much um, I'm I'm not going to reveal the listener's name because God knows that that would make things worse for him um, it looks like the terrorist watch list has topped a million names this month. That's one million people who are not allowed to fly, um, just to prove just how and, and and you know it's not just that they get shook down. This really is true that a lot of them have a, a very a difficult time flying. Hold on a second. It's not that they're not allowed to fly. That would be the no fly list, right? There's a difference, isn't there? I, I thought there was the watch list where they just give you extra super special searches and then they let you fly, and then there was the no fly list. Which you just Maybe can't he's fly. confused. I, I can't answer. I, I just don't know. I believe he's confused. Okay. That. Just to prove how easy it is to get on a list for no reason, the list um, includes names like Senator Kennedy, Nelson Mandela, Congressman Dan Young, etc. Another problem with the no fly list is the inclusion of common names without any other identifying information. Right. John Smith. Right. Causing people with the uh, same name to be interrogated and harassed for hours on end. Some of these names are Robert Johnson. Wow. John Williams. John Crazy. Anderson. So on. You can yeah. imagine. Uh, this, this, you know, it, it pushes the list way up there. If an American uh, who was not aware of the terrorist watch list had just heard about it, he or she might imagine there would be names like Mahmoud Ahmadinejad on that list. But no, as yeah, you I say, hope he's on there. I mean, there may be names like that, but as you but he's say, he's flying a charter j- uh, uh, jet anyway. This is true, and so there are a lot of regular-sounding names on there, which means people are getting caught up and hassled for no reason whatsoever, and there's no way to stop it. Yep. In fact, I found my own father's name on the list, and you can actually look at the list. It, uh, it's my understanding. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Um, let's see. Yeah, there's. Uh, I, I have a link here. Hmm. In fact, I found out that my own father's name on the list. He's a uh, he has a very common name. The last time he flew, he had no reason, uh, no problem. Just so, uh, so it must have been just a recent addition. I shudder to think what will happen the next time he tries to fly. This is the perfect example of the famous saying, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If you give the government broad and overreaching anti-terrorism powers, everyone becomes a terrorist suspect to them, 
even their own people. And I can see from his last name that his father's, assuming he has the same last name, is going to have to have a relatively uh, common name. As a matter of fact, he mentions his name uh, down down here at the bottom, and he does. He has a common, common name. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and when you start seeing names like Robert Johnson, John Williams, John Anderson, that kind of thing, you know that this list is just populated. It's, you know, it's, it's got it's got to affect. 10, 10 million people, maybe more. Who knows, man? It's just crazy. The uh, the story that I had was from CNN. It was actually a video report uh, where CNN's Drew Griffin is reporting on the the million names, and turns out he, the CNN reporter, is actually on the list. And he says that the time that he, because he's been flying, he's a CNN guy, he goes flies around and stuff. And he said that coincidentally, the time at which his name came on the list happened to coincide with the time that he started doing reports that were critical of the TSA. Now, the TSA denies that there was any sort of political targeting going on here, but pretty strange coincidence, isn't it, that this CNN reporter is not on the list, then he starts reporting on the TSA critically, and then all of a sudden finds himself on the list. There have been other instances of this as well, uh, where authors who have been critical of the Bush administration have found themselves on the no fly, or the, uh, the the terrorist watch list, and it's just um, it's just amazing. With a million people, it would be difficult to imagine that everybody's name just doesn't show up at some point or another. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I don't not everybody, but a, a lot of people. So it may be coincidence, but doesn't it seem like may it. not be. If you're if you're critical of uh, the Bush administration, isn't it possible you're a terrorist? Let's continue with the emails. Uh, that's it. That's, that's it. Um, that's it for him. Um, but you so can I, imagine what it's what, what one feels like when uh, one's name or one's family member's name shows up on this on the terrorist watch list. You know what we need? We need a hacker. We need the uh, the guy that took over San Francisco's computer system. Did you hear about this? No. This guy he could go in and just wipe out the list, and that would just make everybody's life a whole lot easier. Just turned everything to uh, you know uh, indiscernible uh, digit characters. This is a neat story. San Francisco municipal employee has been charged with hacking the city's computer system and creating a secret password that gave him virtually exclusive access to most of the city's municipal data. <laughs> While in jail, held on a $5 million bail, he still has refused to reveal the password. $5 million bail. That's see, right. See, and this goes to show that they don't have anything but kidnapping and uh, you know, force at their. Uh, that's the only thing the government can do. I bet they'd like to torture this guy, but they probably won't be able to get away with that, at least not publicly. Uh, but he's withholding this password, so essentially the city is locked out of their municipal. I can system. tell you with a five million dollar bond that is completely incongruous to uh, you know what his charge is. That there probably are torturing him but, from a you know from a uh, legal sort of standpoint. But they Likely can't he's process in solitary. their paperwork. What's that, Mark? They can't process their paperwork. Paperwork. You're saying that's not a $5 million serious issue for these bureaucrats? I mean, this is like complete the end of the world for these bureaucrats. They need their paperwork to shuffle Murderers around. don't get this kind of, uh, uh, that, that kind of, I mean, you, you, could kill, you could kill like three people and, and, get a, and have a less of a bond than that. Um, and no, he he's probably put in solitary confinement. He's probably being uh, given, uh, you know, he's, he's probably being un, un, under the suicide watch. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, 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 everything they can do, they're probably doing to this guy. So he's sitting in his boxers in a cold, cold room with no sheets because he might use them to uh, to hang himself. Um, he's lucky if he has a mattress. 
It's it's not it's not a nice way to be. Terry Childs, who's 43, will plead not guilty today in court. He is an employee of the city's Department of Technology. Was arrested Sunday and charged with four counts of computer network tampering. He was able to prevent other authorized users from being able to access the system and at the same time put in place devices that gave him access to areas of the network he was not authorized to access, according to a San Francisco spokes uh, bureaucrat. Childs worked as a network administrator for five years and was instrumental in designing the router system for the city's fiber WAN, according to his lawyer. The network on which he worked reportedly stored 60% of all municipal data, including the city's 311 system, employee email, and law enforcement records. San Francisco Mayor Gavin Newsom told reporters that Childs was a rogue employee that got a bit maniacal and full of himself. (laughs) There's nothing to be alarmed about, said the mayor, save the inability to get into the system and tweak the system. Nothing dramatic has changed in terms of our ability to govern the city. All right, so maybe I was wrong. Maybe they can get into the system, but they can't make changes, I guess, on a on an administrative level. That's going to bother him. It is getting in their way to some extent. Uh, He said it was in... Jacob said there was no indication that any information had been stolen or compromised, and so this guy... There's no indication. They can't get into 90% of their system, but there's no indication that any information has been stolen or compromised. He is, I mean, by the way, still on the city payroll. There's a, <laughs> there's a, there's a madman on the loose in the uh, city's computer system, but no information has been stolen or compromised. Do people believe this crap? Apparently so. Uh, according to the story here, his lawyer saying the $5 million bail is ridiculous. Says murderers, it is ridiculous. Murderers get a million-dollar bail, and this guy didn't kill anybody. Newsom said the city was working to restore access to the network, but a complete rebuild could take up to two months. So they, uh, they're having some trouble over there, and this guy has got the password, and he's not letting them know what it is. <laughs> Pretty sharp. I, I don't know. I mean, it might be very tough for him in the long is run. Is that violence? Is that considered in- initiating force, Mark? Um, Think about that one. More coming up. I you take know. control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Those features include archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download and enjoy them totally free at freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by SACL CAI. They've got a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and SACL purchases charged off receivables. They know the way they treat your customer reflects on you. So SACL staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy. So your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner right there at the top of the page at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. We go to your phone calls about what you want, and then we'll uh, check in with what has happened in the aftermath of the recent D.C. Supreme Court case about gun rights, the Heller case. Uh, first, let's go to Jeff in Ohio. Jeff, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Can you hey, hear me okay? Just great, Jeff. What's on your mind? Okay. Um, I just have like a quick anecdote, and then um, I'd like to get your advice. Um, over the July 4th weekend, I was uh, driving to my parents with my uh, girlfriend, and I was on um, the freeway, and I actually drove by um, two cops or, you know, gang members, and one of them uh, pulls out behind me, and he actually, you know, follows me for a little bit, sort of like stalking me, and then he pulls up beside me, sort of like scans my car, 
drops back behind me and puts his lights on and turns out he said I was going um, 61 in a 55 and he ended up citing me for um, not wearing a seat belt. Okay. And the reason I'm calling in is because I swear when I like fight this, I already went to the court and um, pleaded not guilty. I, the judge was 45 minutes late. I'm sure if I was that late, I probably would have been um, arrested or something. Possibly. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, I, I feel like this is a violation of my right to liberty. And, you know, they're going to try to take like $65 from me. Mm -hmm. I sort of feel like that's like a violation of my right to my property. I'd I just, say you're there, right. There's about no that. victim in this. And I'm just like wondering if you guys have any advice for me. Well, you've already pled, right? Yeah, I pleaded not guilty. And they're setting up my trial um, August 5th. Well, um, I would make it as difficult as possible. I, I wouldn't stand too too heavily on principle on this one because, well, the principle that they're uh, violating your rights and coming after your money for no apparent reason doesn't mean much to them when they have the force of law on their side. Um, I, I, but, you know, gum up their works as much as you can and likely they'll uh, either, you know, offer you a half price. They do that. And or, and or you know, let you off or something like that. I'd say yeah. take it all the way through just, for, just just to see how the trial goes. Yeah, you might want to do that. I mean, uh, what I was going to suggest if you hadn't plead out at this point was to take the, the tack that Sam from Texas has been working where you go in and ask a bunch of questions, a bunch of questions that, that really question the core uh, legitimacy of the system itself. But he was doing that prior to the actual portion where they wanted him to plea. And uh, so they, that, so Sam never really even got to the pleading portion. I'm not really sure what steps one would take beyond what Mark is suggesting and just trying to minimize the damage that they're going to do at this point. I mean, it probably yeah, wouldn't I mean, hurt to ask a bunch of questions at this point either, just because it couldn't hurt. I think I went to, um, I think his name was Mark Stevens, and he was talking about, you know, like cause of action and you know, just sort of like technicalities to get the, the police like um, sort of impeached or, you know, the witnesses against you, but... Yeah, you can try I, that. I, I you can try that stuff. This, but yeah, that's, I just I, figure I, like I need to fight it. I think it's a good idea, but I, I you know, I don't know Mark Stevens's approach, uh, you know, like the back of my hand, and that's the difficult part. It's certainly, about it. it's certainly helpful to be very familiar with this stuff. Mark does sell a script. Uh, it's somewhat confusing, from what I understand, the script, but maybe he's made it better since the last time I looked at it. Uh, but it really, I mean, it depends on how much time and effort you want to invest in this. I mean, if you want to invest a bunch of time, bring in a camera like Sam has been doing. Cameras and, scare the bejesus out of them. Well, you know what's interesting was I saw Sam's raw footage. We had him on the show last night. Uh, we talked about what happened to him yesterday in the court, and he sh he showed me the raw footage from the uh, the event. And in that footage... Remember, he refuses to contract with these people. They want him to sign their paperwork. They want him to agree to their terms, and he refuses to agree. In fact, we'll probably be hearing from Sam again tonight because he was in a different court today. Anyway, he refuses to agree to their terms, and they keep presenting him with the same terms over and over. This bailiff went in, but he came out. The bailiff comes out to meet Sam, and he says, okay, well, you can't bring your uh, camera in, so you need to either leave it here with us or take it back to your car. And Sam says, well, I can't agree, you know, I can't agree to, those, to those terms. And so the bailiff says, all right, well, let me go check with the judge. He goes back, checks with the judge, comes out back with the same terms. Sam pretty much does the same thing. The bailiff goes back in, checks with the judge again, comes back out. Then Sam goes into this room where the judge is not the actual courtroom, it's some sort of uh, side chamber, the prosecutor's room, where the judge 
judge is actually standing there behind a podium, and this time it's the, you know the judge that's having basically the same conversation with Sam as the, as the bailiff did, and Sam doesn't budge from his position. Like, look, you want me to come in that courtroom? I'm bringing my camera with me. If you're telling me I can't have my camera in the courtroom, then I guess I can't go into your courtroom. And it was at that point that the judge decided to fine him for contempt of court, which interestingly, was a $50 fine. So this goes back to your point, Mark, about just trying to get them to knock down the, the price. That wasn't even Sam's intention, but that's what they started to do. The judge slapped him with a contempt of court fine, but at the same time was saying things like, we've rescinded this matter. The last matter that he was in there before, the speeding ticket, yeah. we are rescinding this matter. He used the term rescinding twice, and I'm sure as Sam comes out with his official release, you guys will all get to see this footage. But rescind means to revoke, to abrogate, to remove. So it sounds to me, from what we've we haven't seen the official paperwork yet. I don't think it's arrived at his uh, his mailbox, but it sounds like they've dropped the two hundred dollar speeding ticket in favor of a fifty dollar contempt of court fine. Which, that can't look wow. good, particularly on one's permanent record. Well, he wouldn't take the contempt of court fine either. They tried to hand him that paperwork, and he wouldn't take that from them either, so they were never really successfully able to uh, serve him with with either of those. So maybe he'll come back in, and he'll continue to uh, to ask questions about the contempt of court thing, and maybe they'll just give up entirely at, at some point. But they'll do whatever how they he, can. How could he be in contempt of um, the prosecutor's room? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's just a bunch of nonsense. That's all it is. Well, They're just trying to get him to pay something, and he's not going to do it. Do you guys feel like um, you know, fighting like minor things like traffic tickets is an effective way to try to achieve uh, liberty? I think it is. I think that's it's only effective in, in that if you can show other people what's going on, and that's what Sam's doing with his videos. If you're just in there by yourself just talking with a judge, then nobody really knows what happened beyond you and the judge and anybody else that might happen to be in the courtroom. And once you start asking these damaging questions, the judge is going to do everything he can to get you out of that court while there are other people around. So it's really it seems critical to have some sort of recording device with you uh, in order to make it so that other people can benefit from your experience. I mean, it's good to call Free Talk Live and everything, but putting something like uh, a video up on YouTube is going to expose that message to a bunch more people. And essentially, what the I I I get the impression from Mark Stevens' stuff uh, that the the first few times are practice. So that yeah. you can go in and uh, you're more effective in gumming up their, Not as nervous. Uh, you know, their, their works after that. Right, because it's going to be a scary, probably nerve-wracking experience uh, the first, and maybe the first few times uh, while you get used to interacting with these authoritarian meanies. Uh, let us know how it goes, all right? And, of course, uh, we highly recommend joining the Free State Project and moving up here to New Hampshire where you can actually have some activists who will come to court with you. Thanks, dude, for the call okay. today. We appreciate it. And good luck. 800-259-9231. What happened after the Heller case in D.C.? with Mr. Heller. We'll find out. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free on our website, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo. To prove they listen to the show, go to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. And if you are a lady listener... 
do not hesitate to send us your validated photo so we can add you to the shrine. Once again, that's shrine.freetalklive.com. It's the cure for naked. Jumptees.com. Go get funny, sexy, clever t-shirts at jumptees.com. Don't go through life naked. Get jumped. Jumptees.com. That's J-U-M-P-T-E-E-S. Jumptees.com. Excuse me. (laughs) Pants not included. Jumptees.com is not responsible for customers not wearing pants. All right. So we reported recently on the Supreme Court case, Heller versus whatever it was. And the result of that case was mm, pretty bad. And it looked good to some people on the surface that, oh, the Supreme Court backed up in the individual's right to bear firearms. Yay, the government works. The federal government's backing us up. The Second Amendment, they still care about it. But if you actually read the, uh, you know, if you dug into the decision a little bit, as our uh, man Gardner Goldsmith has done and other people have done, you find out that really what the Heller decision did was justify all of the regulations Virtually unlimited amounts of regulations beyond a total outright ban on handguns, they can do pretty much whatever they want, and the Supreme Court has gone ahead and given it, given whatever the gun regulations are, their blessing. Mm. So here's the latest news on how that has affected things after the fact, and it actually has to do with Dick Heller, the guy that filed the case. I'm interested. The story from WUSA9.com. District residents can start registering their guns today, but at least one very high-profile application was already rejected. Dick Heller is the man who brought the lawsuit against the district's 32-year-old ban on handguns. He was among the first in line Thursday morning to apply for a handgun permit. But when he tried to register his semi-automatic weapon, he says he was rejected. He says his gun has a seven-bullet clip. Heller says the city council legislation allows weapons with fewer than 11 bullets in the clip. Now get this, Mark. This is a mind-blower. A spokesbureaucrat for the D.C. police says the gun was a bottom-loading weapon, and according to their interpretation, all bottom-loading guns are outlawed because they're grouped with machine guns. Now, what pistol have you ever seen beyond a revolver that isn't bottom-loading? That doesn't make any much sense to me. I mean, it sounds to me like they've made all semi-automatic handguns machine Illegal. guns. Yeah. So apparently in Washington, D.C., you have the ability to get your gun registered only if it is some sort of non-bottom-loading handgun. It's, well, you know, it just goes to show that uh, they get to decide what the interpretation of the law is every time. And, they're, you know, trying to uh, abide by their laws and ha- protect your rights at the same time is nearly impossible. The man won in the United States Supreme Court but still can't have his gun. Nope. He sure can't. Though I've heard this guy is actually a Free State Project member. Oh, really? I've heard that through the grapevine. I don't know how true it is. And if that's the case, then what the hell are you still doing in D.C. at this point? You yeah. better get out. He, he got a Supreme Court ruling. I understand. And now they've slapped you down. They won't let you you know, have your gun. So you might as well leave at this point. Anyway, besides obtaining paperwork to buy new handguns, residents can also register firearms they've had illegally under a 180-day amnesty period. Isn't that nice, Mark? They'll just Sweet. take your money without putting you in a jail. So nice of them. Yeah, I love it. 
Though residents will be allowed to begin applying for handgun permits, city officials have said the entire process could take weeks or months. Months I'd, or years. Yeah, I'd lean on the side of months and yeah. <laughs> probably longer. I mean, how often does the government do anything in, in days, you know, weeks' yeah. time? Well, they made a decision real quick with Mr. Heller, it sounds like, though. I guess he was first in line. Oh, well, so. that, that's the default answer. That's not a, uh, yeah. you know. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, you know, I, uh, I was, it, it's so funny. When you're, whenever you deal with uh, the government, you know you shouldn't be asking asking these questions because the question is the uh, you know what is yeah no. the answer is given every time is no you can't do it sorry no so there you go there's uh, some more news about how the heller decision has done absolutely nothing for gun freedom in america and who really expected anything to come out of that anyway i mean come on this is the police state of america now not it's not a free country anymore and, you know, remember, the, the government people don't obey their own laws, so why would anybody want to line up and register their firearms? Why would anybody want to line up and tell the government, oh, hey, I'm over here and I'm a gun owner? Well, I mean, that I, just seems like I a bad idea. I can see why idea. they would want to, uh, if, if you do use the weapon to protect your, your home, your family, yeah. or something like that, you don't want to get slapped with a, you know, illegal weapons charge. Oh, and they'll probably get possibly... you with something. Any, they'll probably, I mean, if you, even if you have a registered firearm, if you use your weapon to defend yourself in a place like D.C. or New York City, they'll probably come up with something like, well, you, sh- you shouldn't have shot the bad guy. Yeah. You know, there have been you actually have baked, people... baked him a cake first. Right. There have been people that have gotten in trouble for defending themselves when what they did in, in our eyes would have been completely legitimate. Where they were having their home invaded, you know, their uh, daughter was going to be raped or something like that. They shot the dude, and then because he lived, he managed to sue... And the city backs them up. Yeah. Well, you know. It's it, not unheard of. So there you go. Yeah. Just figured I'd share that with you. Got not, I don't have much nice to say about Get it. Get in line, D.C. residents, and uh, prepare to be denied because all bottom-loading guns are considered machine guns in Washington, well, D.C. Well, may, maybe just Mr. Heller's. Yeah, well, we'll see about that. Because remember, they have a total ban. They don't want to let any of this stuff through. They they have a they don't do not want to allow people to carry firearms in D.C. and they're going to come up with whatever sort of bureaucratic nonsense they possibly can to throw out there to say, well, sorry, your gun just doesn't qualify. You can only have. And a, if you have it, then you have to have a pistol lock on it. You know, a trigger lock. Probably, yeah. probably, yeah. You probably nonsense. can't carry it. It's probably something you can only keep in your house. That's how it is in uh, California. I think you actually have to keep your guns in your home. You cannot actually take. And, them and out. some towns in California, you actually have to have a, have a trigger lock on the gun at all times. We are going to go on screen. To the oh, to the amp line. Hello, who is this? Uh, this is Key from Pennsylvania. Hi, Key. You're on the air. What's on your mind? I just got a call from my son, and he said, "You'd never believe this. I've just spent the last day and a half in jail." Oh, oh my! He What's was, he was in New York? Okay. And I'm like, well, what did you do? He's like, nothing. I was my my friend was talking on the phone, and I was putting my phone in my pocket, and the Police came up and said, "What did you put in your pocket?" And he, my son, said, "Nothing." And they went and started searching him. And he said, "Wait, you can't do that. I didn't do anything wrong. Mm. I have rights." And then they flipped cuffs on him and said he was um, cat calling somebody down the street, um, which is really, really wild because he's gay. So <laughs> I really don't think he's going to be doing that. And they punched, you know, hit him in the face with this. Elbow when he was in jail for a day and a half, never oh got read his rights. Until well, they don't have to read you your rights unless they're going to question you, from what I understand, just so you know. Oh, 
don't so they have to tell you why you're being arrested? He kept, they kept told him to shut the Apparently not. I think they have 24 hours to do that. Which, uh, you know, I'm not saying any of this stuff's right, Key. I'm just saying that that's what, uh, it's their rules. That's what their silly little yeah. rules are. If, if they can, you know, they just basically say, oh, he's just creating a disturbance. So what has he been charged with? Do you know? No, he, he doesn't even know what he was charged with. Oh, so, so he actually up. got out of jail and he still doesn't know what his charges are? Right. He's charged with disorderly conduct for cat calling a woman going down the street, which didn't happen because he would never do that. Right. Well, and that's based on what? The word of the the cop? The cop is going to testify in this particular case? What a bunch of nonsense. He got hurt. Um, The the cop elbowed him in the face when he was putting mm. him in the cop car, and he didn't see a judge for a day and a half. Something unusual there. And milk. You know, what, what, water, that's, it. that's crazy. Um, you know, they uh, it, it likely he will not be charged with this at all. Key, you think he'll drop it? Yeah, I don't think that's good, particularly good news, but I think that that's likely what's to happen. But if not, um, you know, if he gets to you know arraigned in front of a, a, a after the arraignment, the pleading or whatever it is, the the, the second appearance in front of the judge, he should uh, bring along uh, you know one of his gay friends and mouth kiss him right there in front <laughs> of the judge. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Key, let us know what happens. Good luck with that. It sounds awful. Appreciate the call tonight. 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. People being victimized by this government system all across America. It's time something changed, but it's going to take your action to ensure that actually happens. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. And Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you're buying, new items, used, anything goes, just buy it through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You've got the stuff you want, and Free Talk Live gets a cut. That's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. We go to your phone calls. John in California. You can call about anything. What's on your mind, John? Hey, um, uh, I was wanting to talk about the D.C. gun rule that you were talking about. Yes, sir. Um, well... It seems like when they say that they're going to allow the guns now, it seems like they have like a certain rules to that to to allowing that now. Sure. Like the the um, bottom loaded pistols. Mm-hmm. It seems like when they they say, okay, we're going to allow you to have this, but by allowing you to have this, we're going to give you a whole different set of rules for that. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, it's how government uh, works. They always come up with arbitrary rules that uh, they enforce at the threat of violence. And, I mean, what is it that's confusing? I'm, I'm, I right. guess I'm not well, too here's, sure. Um, here's the, the fact is that we were told by the media and everybody, you know, it looked like Heller won. Heller, you know, the, the decision was that Heller won. But, in fact, Heller lost. The state won. Right. Because the in the rulings of the majority um, of the judges there, they said that the state and town and whatever it is can regulate um you know they can they can uh, alter or, or abolish let's see what's it say here um 
to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. They can, in fact, infringe the right. keeping and bearing of arms. So the mm-hmm. loss exists. Virtually without limit, they right. can infringe. They can say you can't bear them at all. That's fine with the uh, court. They can say that you can put a, they, you know, you can be required to put a uh, uh, trigger lock on them, whatever. Well, so, yeah, I mean, but the fact that they're making a rule that says that the bottom loaded handguns, I mean, come on. That is, it, they, then you said before that it was, that it was considered a machine gun, what was it? It was. Yeah, that's what they said. They said it was in the same category of a machine gun. And remember, this is the world of legal land, so they can define things however they want. I mean, couldn't you define any gun as a machine? I mean, it's a, it, they are essentially machines, right? They use right? springs. Right. They so, have tension. Well, yeah. I mean, so they could they could qualify all kinds of guns as uh, machines. They can they can regulate anything they want to do as long as they let one person have one gun for some obscure reason. Then their laws are legitimate, right? Yep. So so what they're going to do is they're going to make they're going to take things way out of proportion. They're going to make they're going to say, well, a machine gun is something that's a machine that shoots something, but our definition of machine gun is you know the the things that you see out that shoot more than one bullet when you when you hold the trigger sure i mean you know i mean i'm sorry to say that unfortunately the heller decision was lost you know what i bet they're doing too i it didn't reveal this in the article but i bet they're taking application fees i bet they're taking fees to process the registration applications and they're just planning on denying 99% of them so all these gun owners are going to come in there and they're going to uh they're going to try to register their firearms they're going to be rejected and the the state government workers are going to walk away uh you know Walk to the bank with all the money, with that, a bunch that much of money. More wealthy, yeah. And they'll have all the info on all the people that illegally own guns in Washington, D.C. What happens? It says you've got an 180 day amnesty in the story to go and get your firearm registered. What happens if you go in with one of these bottom loading pistols, which is apparently not allowed in D.C.? If you walk in with one of those, and you put your name and information down on a piece of paper, and they say, "Sorry, we've we've had to reject your application." And in fact, that particular well, you have to do, turn fi- that gun in at that moment. Right, right. That particular firearm. Well, you may not have to turn it in at that moment, but that particular firearm is illegal. Period. Here in D.C., and you will have to uh, be turning that in. I don't know what they're going to do, but if it's if you can't get a registration for that, and firearms are otherwise outlawed in D.C., then you've just identified yourself to the government as an outlaw. You've identified yourself and said, hey, I've got something you don't want me to have. And well, that doesn't that sound the, good. That even that they had something, because you even said that, um, that even the, the guns that were there illegally already, they're being registered. Well, what's up with that? Everyone, they, they won't allow bottom-loaded handguns, but they'll allow someone to, that had no, no. a handgun illegally No, there's a 180-day... If I wasn't clear, let me see if I can make this clear. As I understand it, there's a 180-day window where people who had guns illegally in D.C. are able to legally come in and enter into the registration process. It does not guarantee that they will be okayed. It doesn't say that, well, if you just come in, we'll let you have your guns. That's not it at all. It's, well, we'll let you apply for this permit... And then once you have the permit, then your gun becomes legal. But if we don't grant the permit, then that gun's not going to be legal. And then they're going to have your name, address, information, and contact info to come after you after that 180-day period comes up. They know where to go to arrest. 
Yeah. And so, search. So, no, nobody's being given a pass here. Nobody whatsoever. It's just going to be a money... From what I can tell, it's going to be a money-making scheme for uh, D.C., first up front in the application fees, and then second after they come after the gun owners after the fact to try to confiscate their firearms or arrest them or, or find them or whatever it is that they uh, they decide to do. This is bad news all around. Does that make it clear? Yeah, that's still crazy, though. I, I just it sure can't is. believe that, you know... They would, they would do that. That's what happens. John, thanks for the call tonight. We appreciate hearing from cool. you. You know, the longer a government goes, the bigger and bigger it gets. Yep. Um, you know, oh, but we just have to elect the right people, Mark, and that'll turn it all around, won't it? No. Wait, we well, should, you know, we I should was... enter into Republican or Democratic Party, take it over from the inside so we can elect the right people 25 years from now and, and win our liberty it, back. You know, here's, here's a case in point. I was talking to a, uh, a potential advertiser, a guy who works for a gun company. Okay. Um, he, you know, does the marketing for a gun company. And I'm not going to tell you which one. Um, he said, you know, I was, I was say, he mentioned something about the NRA and they sort of run the business and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, I'm not real fond of the NRA. They support the 20,000 gun laws that we have in this nation. And he said, well, I wouldn't like to see a murderer get uh, a gun. Oh, 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 no. <laughs> and I said, there goes funny, your client. <laughs> I'm a murderer. And Ooh. I have... You know, I told him I've had guns. I bought one on, uh, uh, you know, September 11 to protect my family. And, well, you know, I I didn't kill anybody with it. Can you believe that? And he says, well, there's always going to be people that turn around. And I said, well, why do you want to outlaw them protecting their family? Ooh, do you want to wow. see my wife get raped in front of me? Do you want to see them kill my kid and I don't have a gun? He's Man, like, well, that's a tough question. I uh, well, you know, the thing is, is he never thought about it, but it's okay with him that the government regulates in that arena. The yeah. guy at the gun company thinks it's okay that the so government sad. regulates guns. Sure, that's so how sad. far gone we are. Yep. And there's no turning it around. I'm sorry that there's no turning it around. The Constitution had some nice ideas in it. It really did. And to, to, to give those guys credit, it was the basis that helped us get to the point where we are today. So it's not that the Constitution was completely useless. It helped uh, slow the growth of government to some extent. And it helped us understand some real important concepts about liberty and rights and things like that to where we can apply those ideas in a much more productive way as we move forward into the uh, the voluntary society. In fact, I was actually uh, reading some uh, some of the New Hampshire Constitution today, Mark, and there was a, po- a part that was relevant I called you about, because mm-hmm. you've had this uh, case that you filed this lawsuit here against the town that you live in in New Hampshire because of proper, uh, the property rights issue, where they had sent you this, uh, they were planning on putting a lien on your property because right. you didn't pay the bill, but they never My sent you a bill. My welcome to town was a uh, notification of lien. Right, and they never sent you a bill, so you wanted to sue them to get them to answer some very basic uh questions about the property taxes, and you were thinking about pulling out of the lawsuit. I don't know if you'd done that yet, but what had given you the reason to pull out in your mind was that this attorney for the town told you that if you lost your case, you'd have to pay all the attorney's fees. And there's actually a part in the New Hampshire Constitution that says that uh, basically justice, the, the justice system should be transparent and free, in well, that you shouldn't have to pay to, uh, to sue the town. The... the, the you don't have to pay to sue, uh, but by the way, you do have to pay to file, um, uh, which makes no sense at all. That's co- unconstitutional, then. Well, from what, from my interpretation, not that I have agreed to the Constitution, I have not. But those government bureaucrats supposedly have. Did you want me to read the Second Amendment to you again? The right yeah, of the people to keep sure keep that. and bear arms shall not be infringed. Sure, you're right. It doesn't matter what the Constitution's they actually don't care say. What it says, but it, it can be useful for us. 
to put that out there and show the people that maybe aren't paying attention uh, too closely. We can show them, hey, these guys say one thing. They claim one thing about their rules and uh, their uh, their appreciation for the law and how it's a nation of laws and how the law is so paramount to them. But yet their own laws right here, their own founding documents, they don't even follow their own rules. So that's the only thing it's really useful for is to just kind of throw it in their face publicly. I agree and understand with what you're, what you're saying, but I, you know, I, I, <laughs> the court systems evolve from, you know, even farther beyond than the Constitution in a lot of ways, and they just do what they want. Well, exactly, and in fact, our friend Sam from the Obscure Truth Network had an, a run-in with some cops in a court today, and one of the cops pretty much told him he doesn't he doesn't remember swearing any oath to a Constitution. More coming up, hour two's on the way. This is Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney, finalized the contract in London, and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code, 600, to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three, or rather, number two, (laughs) number two of the show. And the toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. Your calls are primary, but coming up, we'll tell you about a 94-year-old man who was trapped in a prostitution sting. Uh, but first, we go to your call. Sam is on the line from Texas. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Line. Hello, Sam. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Well, good evening uh, to you. I um, went back to court today and had a, a pretty tough encounter with the uh, people there carrying guns. Now, this court, uh, you uh, you'd called me afterward. After, or Actually, you called me during the, uh, the entire thing, and we recorded it on an extra kind of recording in case they took your camera. Uh, right. Because they were getting pretty uppity. This was actually a different court. Now, for those just tuning in, Sam has been calling us over the past several months, uh, kind of giving us the scoop on his adventures in legal land, for lack of a better term, where you've gone in and actually challenged the authority, challenged the uh, the legitimacy of the courts themselves. And you've had some interesting successes so far, at least, you know, all things considered. Uh, certainly, they've been wasting your time, and you'd rather be doing other things with your life. But all things considered, you have not yet paid them a dime. As far as you've, you're dealing with three speeding tickets, you have not yet paid them anything. And uh, they have not yet thrown you in a jail cell. And uh, so, so when we had you on yesterday and you were telling us about your experiences from yesterday, that was actually a different court than the one you're going to tell us about tonight. Yeah, or actually, let me tell you how that one turned out. I did get the uh, court papers in the mail, 
And for some reason, I couldn't. Next week, they've scheduled two hearings, um, like one, I think, Tuesday and the next one Wednesday, both of them at 8 a.m. in the morning. And I couldn't figure out why they scheduled two hearings. Well, it turns out one of them is a pretrial hearing that we've already had where the judge entered the plea. And then so the they're going to have day, another pretrial hearing. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the judge went into his uh, secret chamber in the back and turned on his magic legal land time machine <laughs> and erased the pretrial that happened earlier and where he trampled my rights and, you know, didn't follow any of his rules and right. so forth. And, and he's just going to redo it. So now we're over. back right around to where we started again. The judge is taking a mulligan. I guess, yeah. Um, and... <laughs> I don't know how it's going to go with you know them <laughs> refusing to let me in the courtroom with the camera. Right. This is so interesting. And my observation that because you actually gave me a link to the, uh, the the raw footage and I watched it twice through, and it was it was interesting because they kept coming out and trying to get you to agree to their terms. They wanted you so badly to put that camera down and come into that courtroom, but you didn't. You didn't. Uh, they wanted you to either put the camera back in your car, or they wanted to take it from you, and then you were to go in the court. But you didn't agree to that. You, you basically told them, you know, I, don't, I, I need to come into the camera with the court. I don't agree with your terms. The, the bailiff kept going back to try to renegotiate, I guess, with the judge or whatever, and it was like watching a record skip. You know, they, they just kept resetting right back to where they were, coming back out, offering you the same deal, and they never once really did anything to you. You would think they would have thrown you in a jail cell, but they didn't do that, and maybe that's because they didn't want to be seen arresting a man with a camera in their own court. It looked to me like a, uh, like a, a, a like somebody trying to sell a car, really. Oh, wait a minute. i got to go talk to the manager. And, you know, and then they, they go back, and supposedly they have a conversation with the manager. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. And then they come out, and they, they do the sales pitch on you again. Well, would you like that car in red or green? Um, and, and how does the, the circle game work, where you one person says something and whispers it to the person next to them, and by the time it gets back around, it's completely changed? Yeah, These telephone. people are going in and saying, oh, okay, I'll tell the judge exactly what I said, which mm. is, you know, quoting law and so forth, and apparently they're just going to remember all this and repeat it back perfectly. Yeah. That's a great system. That really works well. Well, and then you went into the the other room where the judge was actually in the prosecutor's room standing behind this podium, and the judge then tried to serve you with uh, with their paperwork. And it was kind of interesting seeing him sort of step down from his throne and uh, become basically the bailiff as he attempted to uh, to serve you with that fine for contempt of court. Of in course, the prosecutor room. Right. but It's but, not even the court. But he didn't really try very hard. He held it out for like a, a few seconds, and then he handed it to the bailiff and tried to get the bailiff to hand. Yeah, well, that's, he's the lackey. See how he kind of circled the floor a few times because he like didn't know what to do. With, why is this guy still sitting here and not doing what I say like everybody else? Right. And then when he told you that he wanted you to leave, instead of following his order, you just sat there. And it was funny. <laughs> he just stands there and looks back at you for like you know at least fifteen or twenty seconds before he uh, he basically then tells you your matter's been rescinded and he has no business with you anymore. But apparently they want more business with you because they sent you documentation that says that they've rescheduled you for the pretrial, which you've apparently already been to. Very yeah, confusing. One of, one of the third document that they sent in the mail is uh, a request for record of proceedings. And at the bottom, they put a little sticker on it. This is the form that you sign to uh, request the court date and tell if you want it recorded or not. At the bottom, they highlighted this little sticker that says, please choose one option, sign and return to the court. <laughs> <laughs> they don't give up. No, no, they've got an endless ream of paperwork to send you, Sam. <laughs> 
And it's so funny just watching these guys in uh, your footage. And, of course, you're going to be putting this together, and at some point you'll announce it when it's ready. But it's funny watching them uh, just tote around their paperwork as though it's something special. You know, the bailiffs, he's got paperwork in his hand, and the judge has got paperwork in his hands. And it's just all very, very silly. And when you start looking at it from the perspective that you're presenting it, Sam, uh, and people can see your first video over at freekeen.com right now, uh, but when you look at it from this perspective, it really becomes absurd. The, the entire it system is. is ludicrous. It is, and I hope people begin to see that. It, it's just with getting to uh, what happened today. This was a totally different court than what we've just been talking about. This was a pretrial again? This was, yeah. This is the, the nice judge who has I've had pr- two pretrials with so far who answered all of my questions. Well, sort of. Yeah, he responded to my questions. He didn't answer a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and this was for the second ticket, my first appearance, uh, or that, yeah, the second ticket, first appearance. And, um, but basically, the, the two cases, there's two cases in one court and one in the other. Um, these two cases have kind of combined at this point. They responded to the motions because I filed identical ones. They responded to them in one set of paperwork. Okay. So, you know, they're kind of, we're, we're working in tandem together as though they're both the same. So I go in and, I mean, I had motioned the court to bring the camera in. He denied that. Mm-hmm. So I went in to just exercise um, their Second Amendment right that says you can alter, reform, or abolish the government in any manner you deem expedient. And bringing a camera in doesn't cause a crime. It's, it's not harming anyone. Nobody's being hurt. Uh, and it's a way to show people what a fraud the court system is so that we can abolish it and uh, let the market come up with an alternative. I think it's a great approach. Uh, but the cops don't really think that. No. And they, they <laughs> tend to have a different opinion. Yeah. Uh, so when I got up to the check-in, I talked to the, uh, the man sitting there. He uh, checked me in and said, you know, you have a camera like, yeah. And uh, he said, you can't have that in the courtroom. So I explained the Second Amendment. and um, He was interested. He, he, <laughs> he was riveted. He couldn't take his eyes off of you. <laughs> so I later came back and I said, no, wait, there's something I don't, I'm not understanding here. The police were established to protect and maintain the rights of individuals. Um, and I'm exercising your Second Amendment right, the, the Bill of Rights for the state of Texas, which you're sworn to uphold. Um, are, you know, are, are you, are you going to do this? Are you going to, are you going to protect that right? And he, he's basically said, well, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to, if I'm sworn to uphold the constitution. Yeah, he did. Like, he, he did I'm not. I'm glad he doesn't remember that. Right. He was not very clear on that issue and made it pretty clear later that he didn't really care. Yeah. And I, I said, well, they gave you a gun. You, you don't even know what you're supposed to do with it. Well, I'm following the judge's orders. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Did you swear to follow the judge's orders or to protect the Constitution? He doesn't remember what he swore to. Right. He doesn't care. He just he, uh, he just follows the orders. Said, it's a hell of yeah. a lot easier than reading I'm the Constitution. The, he later came up, and, and uh, this was in, like, round three. He comes up and says, no camera. I said, okay, well, I don't know how I'm going to go in. And he, you know. <laughs> If you want me in your courtroom, I'm coming in with the camera. Otherwise, well, they, you know, they just ended up kicking you out, didn't they? Well, they, they did. We'll get Pretty to the much. rest of the story. And after that was after they assaulted him. Hang on, Sam. We'll bring it back and uh, we'll talk about what happened. More of Sam's adventures in Legal Land here in moments. Also, the 94-year-old man arrested in a prostitution sting. We'll tell you that story and take your calls about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. 
Talk Live. Get your show and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, including the archives, uh, the wiki, the updates. It's all free. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites. We give ours away at freetalklive.com. Travel less and meet online. Try WebEx for free. Go to webex.com. And if you'd like to get a free trial of WebEx, including a webcam, you can enter the promo code 600. That's W-E-B-E-X, WebEx.com. Enter promo code 600 for your free trial of WebEx today. 800-259-9231. We go back to Sam from the Obscure Truth Network. Uh, back on the line here in Texas, for now at least, as you uh, continue your your travails in the Texas court system, uh, trying to simply ask some questions of the bureaucrats that they just aren't very interested in answering. In fact, they don't even want you to get the camera anywhere near this particular courtroom. You're in a different court today than you were yesterday when you called in. And if you missed that call, you can go and get the archives at freetalklive.com. But you're in a different courtroom today. This time, anytime you pointed the camera in the direction of the courtroom doors, the guards would, uh, the bailiffs would sort of get in your way and, and hustle you over. In fact, they actually assaulted you at one point. They did, yeah. I apologize if I'm a little not as coherent as usual. This happened a few hours ago. I'm still a little shaken up by just what these people said, and it, it just it blows me away. Well, the one guy said said the same thing over and over again. There were two of the bailiffs, and uh, one of them kept saying that you were too young for this. You were too young for this. <laughs> what was that about? What happened? That's his little game. You know, they that's one of the uh, tactics police will use when they've got someone who's agitated, they will respond like that in a real childlike way and just keep asking question after question. And what it's designed to do is escalate the situation so that the person who's talking, you know, I, I'm pretty experienced with doing this kind of stuff, so it's not doesn't have as much of an impact on me. But to somebody that's not, that's going to get them really um, ticked off to where they might start pushing, they might start screaming. So right. he's hoping really to escalate it so that he can make an arrest and drag me off to jail. Right, because if be you... Right about his laws and his court. If you and, get violent, uh, if, they the have the, if they have the excuse to get violent back on you, that's what they like. I mean, that's what they live for. They would love to crack your head uh, with one of their batons, but until you actually make a move against them, they don't really have the ability to do that. And see, I understand that, so... You know, I stopped in the middle and thought, okay, have I said enough? What else do I want to go back and tell these guys and capture it on camera? So I knew exactly exactly what I was doing, um, but they don't know that. You know, they're hoping really, let's come on, let's escalate this so we can get yeah. this guy. So uh, you went up there. One of the cops basically said that he didn't remember swearing any sort of oath whatsoever to the Constitution. <laughs> And they had no intention of acknowledging the Texas Constitution whatsoever. Uh, then, then what happened? What else do you want to share from your experience? Well, so then I went back and sat outside for a while. Uh, he, they came back again and said, no camera. And the, the officer, the same guy, said, look, all I care, I, I repeated the Second Amendment. He said, all I care about is what the judge's orders are and the Constitution, all that. Don't care. As he waved his hand off. He's like, I just don't care. And uh, <laughs> who are these people? Did you get I mean, that on film? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's got it all. All of it. <laughs> um, so then, let's see. They, what they're going to do is they call my name out 
out loud uh, at the back door. And so I get up to go into the door. Now, Ian, you said, yeah, they don't want me filming in the courtroom, but if you notice earlier, I filmed a lot inside of both really close, and hmm. they didn't do anything about it. Hmm. Um, so when they called me up, I walked up. Hi, gentlemen, how you doing? You can't bring the camera in the courtroom. And uh, then I can't remember what I said exactly, but basically they told me to get away from the door. Mm-hmm. You can't film the courtroom from the public lobby. Right. Which, no, I, I can. I can't absolutely do that. Watch me. Yeah. <laughs> See me filming? Up, but yes. And the shorter guy came up, and he grabbed my camera and started to rip it from my hand. Now, this oh is a $7,000 camera. Um, he was, uh, I asked him, are you assaulting me? And I forget his response, but of course not. No, no, right. I would never do that. Assault's a legal term, and I'm the law. <laughs> I can't possibly assault you. Now, if I so beat then, you to a pulp, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. So then the other officer who was there the, full, the whole time, see, this is the second officer that got called out to deal with the troublemaker. Mm-hmm. Um, the other officer said, no, no, let him go. He's allowed to film because he knew that this, this new guy didn't know that he was violating my rights. Mm. and assaulting a member of the press filming in a, on public property, right. which is perfectly legal to do. So he, you know, oh, no, no, he can film. It's, he, he's allowed to do that. He said that real quick. And then that attack stopped. And then he came up, though, and grabbed my arm and pushed me away from the door. Hmm. So then later, um, uh, after they they were sitting back, I, I think this is what happened next, um, they told you you were a no-show. They said that, well, okay, yeah. you're a no-show. And yeah, and then, you know, I'm like, so you guys aren't even going to let me into my own trial? I mean, the trial you set for me? We're done here. We're done. And uh, I, so then I started talking to them, asked them, uh, okay, now who's going to press charges on you guys for the assault? And they, are you going to press charges on him, or is he going to press charges on you? Because I was assaulted here. Oh, wait, that's right. You guys have a monopoly on the use of violence. Yeah, you really, you really gave him quite an essay, and I, I, you were really, I think you were pushing your luck, man. It was amazing that they didn't lash out. Yeah, it was amazing. amazing and pushing luck come up in my mind when yeah. I when I uh, heard this too. Yeah. Well, so the thing is, if as long as you're not threatening them or uh, taking any aggressive action towards them or whatever, I can sit there and say whatever I want. Yeah. Um, and if they want wanted to attack me, then. Well, I've got my camera there, and there's witnesses around and so forth. So um, so what's next? A, what's the next step? Uh, um, Do we know yet? I don't know. So they wouldn't let me go in. They, um, I, I went downstairs. I gave the documentary title to the uh, clerk and told her to go check it out. <laughs> so that's, I imagine, we'll get around the court pretty quick. That'd and be awesome. I have another pre-trial, another, yeah, pre-trial hearing with the original ticket number one coming up in a, in like a month or something. So the judge will surely have seen it by then. Yeah, wow. They, we modified the bond agreement, the appearance bond, to say that they can't enter a plea on my behalf. They can't proceed. You did. And uh, that they have to give me my money back if, uh, you know, even if I'm found guilty. So we'll see if they honor that agreement or if they're going <laughs> to bring dishonor to uh, 
you know, yet another portion of their business. I'm I'm guessing the way these these things are going, they just keep delaying things and resetting and jumping back and you know setting out another date out into the future. You're trying to sell your house right now in Texas and move up to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Maybe by the time, maybe you'll have enough time to just get the house sold and and move before this uh, whole thing is wrapped up. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I get the feeling that they're just going to steal the bond money. They, I don't think they'll honor their own uh, contract, or you know, they, these people have no honor, and they'll just keep my money and say, "Yeah, we're done with them." Wow, you know, it's been an amazing experience so far. People can see the very beginning of it in your documentary, The Court of Public Relations, at freekeen dot com. And that's where it is right now. You can see it there, and hopefully it'll get some more exposure. I told uh, a radio station program director about you today, so who knows, man. Maybe we can get you out there even more. Uh, Sam, thanks for the call tonight, and keep up the great work. More on the way. You take control. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. You can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free, including the updates. You get signed up, and we will keep you in the loop whenever there's something that you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on that list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. As we go back to the phones and to the fun, let's talk to Jeremy in Kalispell, listening on KGEZ. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, uh, I was thinking about the silly freaking cops that have no morals or any kind of philosophical standard for locking a 95-year-old man up just for uh, having a hooker. Well, the law is the law, Jeremy. Yeah, but... It, you 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 must be a robot or something if you're gonna do a job that goes against most people's moral and philosophical standards. Well, a lot of these bureaucrats are very automaton-like. They are very robotic in the way they do things. They they uh you know they take orders and they follow those orders and they they feel like they're restricted to following those orders that they can't stray outside of those very specific parameters, which is why we saw it with Sam's uh d- documentary or what we're going to see with more of his documentary is how these bureaucrats they just keep going back and forth doing the same thing over and over again even though Sam is telling them look I you know I don't agree with what you're telling me here I don't uh, I'm not going to contract with you in this particular uh, instance, they just keep resetting and coming back at him with the same damn thing. So it really is very robotic-like. Well, does, does a does a person really have morals or standards, even if they have them, even if they believe they shouldn't uh, arrest this guy, um, but they go ahead and do it anyway because that's what somebody tells them? I mean, so whether they have morals or standards or not, do they really, uh, 
Do they really have them? It's a good question, and it's an issue that I know uh, you know the more liberty-minded cops out there are struggling with, and it's uh, it's got to be really frustrating. I know I would not want to be in that sort of position where I felt like I had to violate my own moral code in order to get a paycheck, but yet that's what many of these cops do every single day. Thank you, Jeremy, for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. And hopefully in the process, um, you know, they're... <laughs> They're uh, overlooking things here and there. Uh, that Probably. You know, likely. But if the bosses are around, then they feel as though they can't overlook those things. Sure, and sure. And they take away people's freedom, and that's not cool. But we'll get to the story about the 94-year-old here in a moment. Let's continue, though, with your calls. Mark in Indiana, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mark. Hey. Yeah, how's it going, guys? Hey, dude. What's on your mind? Uh, not much. I kind of got a question for you and um, Mark there. Before you guys looked moved to New Hampshire for the Free State Project, did you guys look anywhere else? Because... Uh, I was kind of looking online and reading about some stuff, and I was thinking, wouldn't the Caribbean be like a perfect place to go? You know, I've, I've, you know, I'm, I'm plagued by this particular uh, bit of thought all the time. There, there are states that are in some ways, um, you know, more free than New Hampshire. I can't own a dangerous weapon, what, what they call a deadly weapon, in the state of New Hampshire because I'm a convicted felon. And uh, yeah, people have been killed with butter knives before, so I'm I'm committing felonies all throughout the day. When I cut my meat, when I cut my steak, I'm committing a felony. Um, and you know, so I've thought of uh, other places. You know, they say Ireland's very free market right now. They speak English there, or something like it. Costa Rica. And, yeah, you know, I've, I've thought Bailey's. about all these things. But the fact is, um, if you look around the globe, as far as activism for freedom, you're not going to find anything like. New Hampshire, and I'm sort of of the opinion that if there's nothing happening there, yeah, why go? You know, why, you know the the uh, I can hide out where I am. Right? If that's <laughs> you know, what we're doing. I, my life was fine in Sarasota, Florida, as far as you know, freedom and liberty and all those things. I I'm f- essentially free to do what I wanted to do in Sarasota, except I had to pay their taxes and all that stuff. I've got to pay them here, so uh, you know, I, I I'm I want to be where the action for liberty is. Yep. Right. Well, I was thinking, you guys know how the uh, Caribbean is kind of like a tax shelter or tax haven? And I there's, don't uh, know. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of private property there because of the amount of uh, re- resorts down there, timeshares and all that. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's kind of about the whole, the, I guess one of the main topics of Atlas Shrug, what happens in a society like in a country like the U.S. and the taxing system is, you know, not conducive. It's punishing the wealthy, the highly productive members. And I'm already sure that, you know, the upper middle class, and I know what's happening, the upper middle class and upper class of society now is going down there for vacationing. But what happens when they go for good? What happens when they, you know, they sell their home here and they got more money to spend? They might sell their business and uh, they start living their entire life down there. Then obviously the government's going to have to start taxing the second highest income uh, bracket group. And these people can be bringing their 20, 30, 40 years of experience, whatever they have in their own field. and Well, the obvious answer is productivity slows. I mean, productivity slows down. I mean, it's the same thing. Every where... dollar you, you, you collect yep. in tax slows productivity right. to, to uh, some, uh, some amount. So, and people refuse to believe it, but it's just true. Right. And so you can, you can extrapolate it out from what would happen on an individual level. If you were dealing with the progressive income tax, for instance, where if you're making $75,000 a year, they tax you at 50%. But if you go up to $100,000 a year... They 
they tax you at 90% where, I mean, I'm just pulling numbers out here, but just to yeah. give you an example, where, where essentially there is a uh, continued disincentive toward more productivity. Yeah, you'd like to make $100,000 a year, but if all it ends up doing for you is actually putting another 500 in your pocket after taxes, you know, and you've had to earn all that 25000 just to get another 500 bucks, then it's not worth it. You're not going to go through the extra effort because as far as, you know, the cost is concerned versus the effort you put in versus the reward, it's just not uh, it's not worthwhile. So you might as well just live with the 75000 kick back and relax instead of working a little bit harder or working smarter and trying to uh, produce more. So if one person would cut their productivity as a result of those sorts of taxation, you just sort of spread that vision out amongst a whole bunch of productive people and imagine how what kind of a loss in productivity that would be. Or rather, yeah. what is more poignant is to imagine what kind of productivity and what kind of a, an amazing uh, marketplace we would have if it weren't for all the taxes we currently have. How much kind of pr- uh, uh, wonderful products and services would be coming out that don't exist today that would exist? You know, for instance, flying cars might be a good example. What products would exist today that we don't have because of government regulation and because of taxes? And that's a mind-blower to think about. Uh, in Mary Ruart's book, Healing Our World, which you can download on her website at, heal- at uh, excuse me, ruart.com, R-U-W-A-R-T, she estimates that without the current tax burden that we have today, we could have, like, I think it's at least eight times the wealth that we currently do. At least Is eight times the wealth. Is that as a nation or as an indiv- individual? I don't recall, but it's big. I mean, for because everybody, you, everybody, the money that I would wealthier. have, I would have been, you know, been able to invest and therefore reap inter, um, compound interest on it. Well, everybody would have more money, and they'd be able to decide what to do with that money. And since it would be directed by people that actually have the money themselves, instead of unaccountable bureaucrats, it would be invested more accurately. And all of that actually, you know, plays out to to be an, a significant increase in wealth for everyone in society. Plus, the uh, you know, the added money would it would increase uh, competition in the marketplace and bring the price of, of things down. All over the place. It well, does make sense. All over the place. It's, it's just right. mind-boggling well, to think about. Yeah, thankfully for the government right now, still a lot of rich people in this country are brainwashed into believing the current, going along with the current system we have. But sooner or later, they're going to you know, wake up, and when they do, we're in for it. You know, people res- everyone else is. Yep, people respond to incentives uh, very, very well. And uh, you know, they're incentivizing people to go elsewhere. Thanks for the call tonight, man. We appreciate hearing from you, Mark. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number for you. Since we're talking about money, uh, I've got a story about Zimbabwe. Okay. And this is particularly instructive because it could happen here. They're, they're experiencing hyperinflation. Hyperinflation. We've got inflation here. They've got hyperinflation. But it's all the same concept. It's just that they're doing it a little bit quicker. The fiasco underway, according to Bill Trench at LaRockwell.com and Robert Mugabe, Zimbabwe is merely the latest in a long history of collapsing fiat currencies. See, as the currency loses value, the authorities respond by issuing more of it, thereby ensuring that it will lose even more value, necessitating the printing of even more money and so on. The extent of the currency collapse in Zimbabwe is almost beyond belief, and certainly beyond the understanding of the average citizen. At one time, the Zimbabwean dollar was more or less on par with the U.S. dollar. Not anymore. As of this writing, and this was written uh, yesterday, as of this writing, the U.S. dollar costs one U.S. dollar costs fifty billion Zimbabwe dollars. Fifty billion to one. Gosh. More on the way about what that actually buys as far as, you know, products over there in Zimbabwe and a little bit more about inflation and your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves. (laughs) 
This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board with the program. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And what we do is we take in uh, three bucks a month from you and we reinvest it into the show, getting Free Talk Live on more radio stations around the country and also uh, new Internet listeners, bringing them on board and helping spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. You know, Mark, you were uh, you mentioned something about Sam uh, during the break there. Sam, who we've been talking to quite a bit about his adventures uh, in court, and you said that if it weren't for Free Talk Live, he might not even be doing any of this stuff. Right. I'm not trying to do any back padding or anything like that. That's not what I mean. I'm just sort of amazed that our radio show is having this kind of amazing effect, and it it's rippling out and rippling out. Well, and The ideas we talk about are so powerful. It's not us. It's the ideas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if anything, we've done an okay job at, uh, at communicating those ideas, good enough to where people have, have gotten it, and they've gone ahead and internalized them, and they've decided what they want to do about it. And in Sam's case, he's chosen to go off in this particular direction, and it's, it's worked out brilliantly so far. And Sam is going to be inspiring other people, because I've, I've read some of the comments, for instance, on the YouTube videos. Uh, again, freekeen.com. Just scroll down a little bit, and you'll find his documentary, The Court of Public Relations. And you can see it for yourself. But, you know, according to some of the comments, people are getting really jazzed up about it. They're seeing this happen. They're saying, wow, you know, this free state project, there's really something happening there. And it's it's people like Sam and and uh, the other activists here, like Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com, uh, a lot of the other activists here that are churning out this visible medium, this, uh, you know, these YouTube channels, um, other you know, radio shows like Gardner Goldsmith, this pro-liberty media is really helping show people that there's a significant difference in what's happening here in New Hampshire compared to everywhere else. It's really making it tangible. It's really making it something that people can look at and say, wow, something special is going on there. And so it's not just us, it's everybody, and all these ideas build off of one another. And that's one of the great things about ideas is you can share them with others, and they can take them and make them their own and do what they want with them, and it creates all this wonderful wealth and and, the, inter- and the Internet makes it a- very easy. It's so true. Uh, let me get back to the story here, speaking of the Internet, from LouRockwell.com about Zimbabwe, where one U.S. dollar will buy you 50 billion Zimbabwe dollars over there in the world of hyperinflation. I better pick some up while they're available. Now, according to the uh, the story here from Bill Trench, that 50 billion number is actually after knocking three zeros off the numbers back in 2006. So apparently wow. it had already gotten up to this point and they just, you know, slashed so it down. 50 trillion? Well, it's whatever it is. I mean, <laughs> they can change it at will. Earlier this month in Zimbabwe... It just goes to show that fiat currency is, in fact, fiat currency, you know? Right. It's fiat meaning it's just by decree. Fiat meaning that uh, the government has said this is the currency, you must use this currency, uh, it's legal tender, which means that everybody has to accept it for payment of debts, and the government can just print out as much of it as they want to. Here in America, we've got, you know, maybe a 10 to 14% inflation rate, uh, but in Zimbabwe, who knows what the percentage is? It's, it changes every day. Uh, in fact, earlier this month, a Zimbabwe, a newspaper, cost $200,000. Today, now earlier this month is the beginning of July. This is mid-July. Today, two weeks into the month, that same newspaper cost $25 billion. $25 two, billion. 200000 two weeks ago, 
$25 billion today. A beer costs $150 billion in Zimbabwe. That's assuming you can get anyone to take the damn money, you know? By the time you read this, it might cost $500 billion. The chaos spreads through everything. ATMs and computers can't handle all the additional zeros. Suitcases, you know, accounting software was not made for this. Yeah. Uh, suitcases full of paper are needed just to buy things, what few things are actually available. The inflation is so rapid that wages can't keep pace. A worker might find that his bus fare today is actually more than his weekly wage. Life becomes intolerable for almost everyone. Of course, Mugabe and his cronies continue to live semi-normal lives. For the rest, uh, the only thing that has helped everyday life to retain a semblance of functionality is the foreign currencies sent to help their families by the four million or so people who fled the country. Which, as I recall from a story we talked about earlier, is not exactly the most legal thing. The dealing in the uh, the foreign currency over there. Oh yeah. So you gotta, I, I, I do vaguely recall. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I, mean, that I can't imagine the newspaper's two hundred and fifty billion dollars. Why does the state persist in continuing with such an obviously losing game? Well, there are a number of possible explanations, and the answer is some combination of these. Number one, those in control are shielded from the effects. Yeah, to some extent they're shielded. I mean, they're still going to see the uh, the detriment to the others, but since they get to print the money. The money still has the most value when they spend it. Right, and this, they're, they're incentivized, therefore, to keep on printing money. Number two, protests. Thus inflating the currency. Protests are stamped out by a well-paid police and military. Three, the government dare not admit that it's not in control of the situation and hopes that things will eventually turn around. While the above are undoubtedly true, the underlying cause of all inflationary situations throughout history is economic ignorance. A Los Angeles Times article quotes an anonymous staff member in the Zimbabwe plant that prints the multi-billion dollar banknotes, saying that people are aware that printing money is also one of the causes of inflation. And right there you have the problem. The fact is that printing excess money is not one of the causes. It is inflation, as any dictionary will display to anyone who bothers to consult it. Rising prices are the result. They're a symptom of inflation, as we have said so many times, and it's a message we'll continue to give on this program because they didn't teach me this in government economics right, class. Right, they, t- they teach you something different. Inflation is not the increase of prices. Inflation is an increase in the money supply. Zimbabwe is not the first, and it won't be the last country to take leave of its senses. As America's founding fathers well knew, the only thing that will prevent debasement of a currency is to base it on gold and or silver, which are incapable of being produced at a politician's whim. However, politicians and bankers love to substitute paper promises for these metals so that they and not the citizens will control the currency. And every paper currency ends the same way. When we look at Zimbabwe, we see a fast-forward version of what's happening to our dollar, which has lost about 95% of its value since 1900. Will we, too, see runaway inflation? Unless we return to a gold standard or men become saints, the answer is almost certainly yes. Well, what else can you say? You it's know? so true. So look, you know, watch carefully. Because it can happen here, and there's no predicting it. And it's not just this random thing. If you take a look, uh, you know, uh, at, at Wikipedia, I looked at the list of countries that have uh, dealt with hyperinflation. Look at hyperinflation mm. at wikipedia.com, uh, dot org, and 
you'll see that the list of countries just goes on and on and on. Uh, a friend of mine is from Peru, and he, you know, I remember at one point they had the uh, Solas de Oro, which I always loved. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the you know the, their their uh, monetary piece was called uh, you know Mil Solas de Oro, Thousand Sons of Gold, and I I just loved the the sound of it. Well, they inflated the crap out of that thing, and it's gone. And, you know, so they moved on to the like Peruvian dollar or mm-hmm. something now. They had to change the name. They ruined their currency so badly. And that seems like what they've got up their sleeve. That's kind of the trick, I think, that they have up their sleeve in this country. If things start to get real bad with the dollar to the point where people are getting fed up, that's when they're going to probably introduce this much touted uh, in the, at least not by the government, but touted sort of in the world of conspiracy, this Amero idea that uh, will be sort of an, a North American currency. It'll be something that'll be between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. And, of course, it'll be pretty, and it'll have colors, and you'll be able to get ten for every dollar. Or, uh, no, you'll get uh, one for every ten dollars. Or something like that, And that's that, how yeah. they'll be able to sort of artificially... Shrink it uh, back down. Yeah, shrink shrink down the money supply. And, you know, it's it, it's funny when you uh, th- think about it. It's, uh, in the European countries where they have the euro... They still allow them to have their own euro in those countries. Hmm. So they're they're uh, you know country specific euros with really? their, with their own favorite like in Italy you've got Giuseppe Gibraltar on there like the fifty state uh, quarters basically yeah I, and those those aren't produced by the those you the know, states, states or whatever that's but true. they are not distributed you don't have uh, New Hampshire quarters in New Hampshire necessarily but can Italy just crank up the presses and inflate their I don't euro? believe so no um, I believe that they have a central bank that huh. that uh, you know distributes these okay. things. But, you know, in England, they have, uh, you know, Queen Victoria or whatever on their euros. And, and you know, in Italy, they have, you know, whatever. And I don't I, I really can't tell you a Spanish um, ruler, Ferdinand, uh, you know, I don't know. But don't Franco. Know yeah. He's gone, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's not likely they're going to it's not likely they're going to put him on there. Fascist and all. Probably not Hitler on the uh, the German uh, euro either. So what does one do Bismarck, about maybe. this? I mean, when you look at this financial situation in this country, any way you slice it, it just gets worse because it's the government that's controlling it, and they always have the well, incentive to inflate. The, the men so, that stand to, to benefit the most, um, you know, they, they have, uh, by inflating, those are the ones that have control of the currency. Right. That, it's crazy. The, the guy who's going to benefit the most can turn on the pr- printing press. And, but you have, to, you have to ask, what does one do? Well, certainly you can ins- insulate yourself by buying gold and silver and stuff like that to try to store your value. But in the long run, we need to have some sort of alternative currency that's usable in the marketplace. And I know some of the free staters are working on that. And I, I hope we see more development of that idea in sooner rather than later. More coming up. Hour 3 is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those for free on us at freetalklive.com. 
Bradenton man, 94 years old and trapped in a prostitution sting, right from where uh, you grew up, Mark. Bradenton, yeah. Florida, according to the Sarasota Herald Tribune. A 94-year-old man whose arrest in a prostitution sting caused an international buzz and will not be prosecuted. A judge ruled uh, Tuesday that Frank Milio was a victim of entrapment. Milio, who has dementia, was un- unable to get into a care facility while his case was pending. The undercover Manatee County Sheriff's Office detective on the street corner that afternoon in November took 30 steps to go chat with Milio, who authorities say had honked his car horn at the woman to get her attention. Milio, who turned 94 this month, stopped his car in a parking lot about 60 feet away from the woman, who was standing in an area where authorities regularly set up stings to nab Johns. Milio did not flash his lights or say anything to lure the woman over. He honked his horn. Well, apparently. Uh, The woman opened his passenger side door and leaned inside. Do you want a party tonight? She asked Milio, who replied that he wanted to think about it for another 15 or 20 minutes. The officer asked about money. She asked whether Milio wanted sex. Milio replied, huh? Milio eventually offered to pay for oral sex. Manatee County Judge George Brown weighed in Tuesday, tossing the misdemeanor case in a six-page order that questions the extent to which the detective controlled the nature and direction of the sexual conversation. Now, if Mr. Milio was a 23-year-old man instead of a 93-year-old man... He'd be out on his butt. Yeah. How would this be different? Would the judge have tossed it out? No. Manatee County Judge... This only got tossed because it got, you know, he had... Got uh, attention. Yeah, international attention. This particular 93-year-old man was encouraged and or enticed to proceed with the police officer's direction of conversation, wrote the uh, the judge. For his attorney, the judge's decision vindicated an elderly man whose arrest made news across the nation and landed in the late-night monologues. How did we miss this story, Mark? Of uh, David Letterman and Jay Leno, the Drudge Report picked up the story as well. Milio, the attorney said, is an old man who enjoyed flirting with a pretty woman, and he never had any intention to pay for sex. Greco did not blame the authorities as the attorney, uh, the attorney rather, saying he applauds the efforts police take to combat prostitution. But the attorney criticized the state's decision to file charges against Milio, who lives alone and suffers from dementia. He said, I'm very disappointed how the state attorney's office handled this case. In June, he filed papers challenging the arrest, and they, uh, the, the prosecutor said in court that Milio was well aware of what he was saying and requesting. Uh, they dismissed the claim that he was enticed to offer money for sex. Milio could have driven away at any point, he said. The judge said the sequence of actions and conversation by the undercover officer carried with it a substantial risk that Milio would commit a crime. So they are bending over backwards here to make it sound like uh, that this was something, there was something unusual about the way this particular prostitution yep. sting was done. And that's you know, just crap. <laughs> this woman does the same damn thing to everybody that we pulls a, up. We, have a sto- we had a story, I, it, it, it couldn't have been six months ago, about a guy who got a prostitution arrest um, for asking directions of a uh, female officer with, with his, his wife, wife in, in the, the car. car. Right. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The fact is, if you speak. To one of these women that are, uh, you know, doing this, these things, you are going to be arrested for prost- you know, soliciting prostitution if you speak to them. You know, I, I, in my younger days, for some reason, I used to think it was funny to honk at and wave at hookers while I went by on uh, North Trail. I guess it's because I drove by every day there, there in Sarasota. Mm-hmm. I used to think it was funny. You know, I'm lucky they didn't come they, bring Damn squad right. cars after me and arrest me for soliciting just because I, you know, ah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's just crazy. How can anybody out there look at these laws and say this is good? 
We've got it good here in America. Everything's fine. Best country in the world. Freedom. Yeah, baby. I mean, how can anybody well, look at them? it's not them. They know that they don't go to those neighborhoods. Um, it's, it's the respectables. Once again, I'm afraid. They just, it's not going to happen to me. 1-800-259-9231. We go to your phone calls about what you want. It's Eric in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Eric. Hi. How's hey. it going? What's on your mind? Uh, I was just talking with a friend earlier. He was asking me about the uh, probe on uh, Chertoff, uh, the ACLU calling on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, wondering why it took so long, uh, number point one, uh, for Michael Chertoff to come on the probe. And then number two, what are they probing? He... I don't I don't know anything about this. So what uh, is it they're probing? Well, if you go to roguegovernment.com, I think that's Lee Rogers' website. He has a link there. It's, uh, the, um, he's uh, created uh, militarized zones within the U.S. Um, and it's overuse of uh, the terrorist watch list. Uh, like I guess like 150 miles within the border, there's a bunch of checkpoints. Right, that is um, true. And, uh, and of course, we just hit the one millionth person on the terror watch list. As we discussed earlier, yes. And uh, so it, then my second point was, uh, uh, how does a person, a dual citizenship person like Chertoff, even get to become the head of Homeland Security? <laughs> I don't know that he has dual citizenship, but uh, it, it's scary if he does. Yeah, he's an Israeli citizen as well as American. What does it matter? Isn't that kind of, I mean, somewhat irrelevant? I mean, the, 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 as though Michael Chertoff wouldn't be replaced by some American citizen who is just as bad? I mean, does that really even matter? Seems like a technicality uh, to me. Well, uh, I mean, like, you know, it sounds like a pretty strict con- conflict of interest. Uh, you know, you got two countries that you're, um, you know, kind of keeping your... Okay, yeah, I see where you're coming from there, but I don't think that replacing Chertoff is going to do anything. I mean, it's not going to yeah, restore likely, liberty. I, I agree with my partner there, is that, uh, you know, it, it, we can find, they'll find an American that will do the same thing. Or worse. Like, so, a, like a General Petraeus? Whoever. I mean, you can name whoever you want. They're all the same to me. I mean, I replace one bureaucrat with another, and they all do the same thing. They all agitate for more laws, more intrusiveness, more oppression, and their names change, and they look a little different every single or every four years or whatever, whenever they decide to quit and and, uh, have a new one come on. But the results are the same. We all get enslaved a little bit more. That, that that is for sure. That is definitely for sure. But uh, I mean, the, the, uh, obviously, the Homeland Security was only started after 9/11 anyway, and the Patriot Act, which shouldn't have happened either. So, I mean, I think I think they, the root of of the Homeland Security goes back to the Patriot Act. Oh yeah. Nine, after 9/11, which I agree. Of course was all crafted prior to 9/11 anyway. And yep, what is it that, that the is ACLU is expecting to do here? I mean, this guy, the Bush administration is going to be around for less than a half a year at this point. And if somebody else gets elected, he's probably going to get replaced. So what is this going to do? Uh, well, I mean, they're, they're basically just one of the points is that the committee wants to investigate the racial profiling at the immigration checkpoints um, and uh, and also those militarized zones. They want to, you know, to set some of the towns around the border are turning into, you know, kind of like police state places like papers please every time you stop at the yeah. stoplight or whatever checkpoint so it's i guess that's news. what they're trying to do and and the bang for your buck on these expenditures for security uh, versus the freedom losses are are in big question 
Oh, yeah. Well, you can never get security from these government goons. It's just security theater. And uh, you lose your you And lose every your time freedom. the government's involved, you're always going to uh, spend way too much for right. way too little. You lose freedom and you get nothing in return. Doesn't and, matter if they're building a bridge or a school. And I don't want to give up any of my freedoms. I'll take my risks. Thank you very much. I'd rather have my freedom and have a little bit of risk in my life than this whole idea of a security state, which, by the way, hasn't removed any risk whatsoever. If you want to go blow something up tomorrow, you can go do it. Just go and get the, you know, the parts that you need. Uh, very quietly and do it subtly and build your bomb and go and blow it up and no one will ever know about it. There's nothing that can stop that from happening. No amount of security could stop that. Yeah, for a person that doesn't doesn't fear loss, they can do anything. Too right. Eric, thanks for the call, dude. We appreciate it. I understand where these guys are coming from. Like, they feel like they're doing something. Uh, and the ACLU has done good things, no doubt about it. But to suggest that the problem with the checkpoints is that they're profiling? No, no, no. The problem with the checkpoints is the checkpoints. checkpoints. <laughs> but no, that's not the issue. They're focusing on the wrong, the wrong part of it. And that's not going to result in anything changing. Nothing's going to change as a result of, oh, they're going to probe Chertoff. Great. Okay. Then what? What, they're going to bring him up on they charges, too? Probed, they're not going to do that. They, what, what happened with the Gonzalez guy they, they probed uh, from the Bush administration? He went away. Yeah. And replaced with Chertoff, right? Whatever. Or no, some other yeah. jackball. Whatever. It's, all, it's always the right. same. All right. More coming up. You take control. Bring up whatever's on your mind. It looks like science is behind us on the issue of centralization. We'll talk about it here in moments. You can take control. Bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free. So enjoy those, including live streams. We've got a broadband version and a dial-up version of the show, both free for you at freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org, as many, many liberty-loving activists have done and will continue to do. And as more continue to discover the Free State Project, more will sign up, more will move, more will get active. It'll snowball, and before you know it, we'll have liberty in our lifetime. It's a, it's a done deal. I, I have to, I, you know, it's it's hard it's it's hard to grasp for so many people out there that are, uh, you know, just listening to the show and seeing what's uh, happening here in America. But I believe it too. Yeah. Well, we need your help. I mean, it's done if you come here and help. If you decide to wait and see if those guys in New Hampshire actually have success without you, it'll take a little longer. So with you, it'll be much quicker. So freestateproject.org. We talk uh, on this program about the concepts of decentralization versus centralization. History has shown time and time again, and it's showing today, that centralized decision-making as a process is very poor. It's just, it just doesn't work. I mean, look at the communist regimes that have come and gone and crashed in you know, amazing ways. Uh, look at the failures time and time again of central uh, command and control decision-making. And... As it turns out, this story from ScienceNews.org backs it all up scientifically. So I, it's, I've got to hear this. It's not just histor- historically evident. It's also scientifically evident that centralized decision-making equals failure. Here's the story. 
It's the other Parkinson's, the progressive degeneration of a committee's ability to make decisions as the committee adds more members. English historian Cyril Northcote Parkinson observed in the 1950s that decision-making is severely impaired in committees of more than 20 people. Now, physicists have shown that the size of a country's executive cabinet appears to be linked to that country's overall efficiency, and they have found a possible mathematical explanation. Stefan Thurner, a physicist at the Medical University of Vienna and his collaborators, looked at the overall efficiency of virtually every government on the globe, as measured by the United Nations and World Bank, indicators taking into account factors such as literacy, life expectancy, and wealth. The researchers then looked at each country's executive cabinet. Cabinets are a good representation of countries, said Thurner. Common sense would suggest that smaller cabinets would find it easier to reach a consensus. But to get the rest of the country behind a decision, cabinets also have to be large enough to represent a wide range of constituencies, says Thurner. Behind every minister, there's a set of lobbyists, interest groups, and a large bureaucracy. On average, the team found a country's development was tied to the size of its executive cabinet. For example, Iceland, which the United Nations ranks as the world's most developed country, has a cabinet of just 12 members. Didn't you cite Iceland as one of the more liberty-friendly countries? I'll have to check the heritage. I, I don't know that that's true. The United States, which, which ranks 12th, has 17 cabinet members. Myanmar and the Ivory Coast, with 35 strong cabinets, rank 132nd and 166th. Now, I don't know if this is... I mean, this doesn't really sound that scientific to me. It sounds more kind of causal. Is that the, the right term? Causation is not... Correlation is not causation. These are correlative, not necessarily. Well, yeah, I, I, I hesitate. Positive. I wonder what what do they mean by a government efficiency? I mean, it sounds like it sounds like uh, you know kind terrorism to me. I'm, I'm I don't know. It sounds like a, an oxymoron. The researchers also tried to figure out how exactly or out out exactly how a committee size affects its efficiency and tried to explain Parkinson's 20-person rule. The team simulated committees as networks in which each member was a node. Before each vote, each member's opinion could be influenced by those of its immediate members in the network. Adjacent nodes could represent, for example, ministers belonging to the same political party. The simulation found that committees of 10 members or less could almost always reach a consensus. For larger committees, the chances of getting to a consensus were lower, and the chances decreased even more rapidly for committees of 20 people or more. The results show that Parkinson's law is not an accident, but a robust consequence of the opinion formation model. Right. I, I don't think I really want the government making decisions. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I agree. And that's one of the reasons why New Hampshire's legislature is so great, because there's 400-plus representatives in the, uh, yeah, the I think one legislature. I think it's the third largest legislative body in, in, in the, the world. world. Yeah. But what this is showing is they just picked government to use as, as their example. It's showing that the more people you involve in a process, the more difficult making decisions becomes. And it does show the inefficiency of centralized decision-making. Things work better with a very small group of people, if not one person. It's always best to have, I mean, in my opinion, it's always best to have a single person making decisions. And if you don't like that person's decisions, you should go find another organization to join. I always find that to be the most, you know efficient way of doing things the more people you add to the mix the more difficult things become and it seems like common sense but this is just backing it up with the science he says uh, it's interesting they found a correlation or they find a correlation says uh, one of the spokesmen for the new england complex systems institute he points out that the correlation is only true on average in fact the data show some important exceptions for example, Australia, Canada, and New Zealand have large cabinets but high efficiency scores. A committee's effective, and that may have more to do with the organization of the cabinets as well. It may have more to do with the free political the world. Dot com. Uh, Iceland uh, comes in number eleven, uh, really? free, freest. 
in the wow. world. Uh, not, not the United States tied with uh, United Kingdom and Canada. For what? At number five, economically free. So oh, okay. summary of economic freedom ratings, 2005. Gotcha. Okay. So there you go. A little bit of information. Hong of, Kong, number one. Always Singapore, number, one. number two. Hong Kong kicks New, butt. New Zealand, number three. Uh, by the way, New Zealand has an almost complete democracy. They don't have the the sort of uh, the Bill of Rights protections that we it's do in open this country. To, yeah, you can whoever's in charge in New Zealand can completely rewrite everything. It's just new. That's really um, why they have you know they just they haven't built the bureaucracy on top of the bureaucracy, and I suspect that's the reason why it's well. There was uh, actually a time in which uh, the freest I, uh, white uh, you know you know like uh, Western I guess uh, probably a more accurate term Western English speaking. From my very 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 uh, light research into New Zealand because mm-hmm. I was somewhat interested in in you know researching it to poss- possibly moving there in the in the case of calamity. Uh, from my very basic research into New Zealand, uh, there was a time at which they deregulated some stuff there. So New Zealand was actually worse off in the past, and then they got better, and now they're back getting going worse, from what I understand. But it's, again, because the people in charge can completely restructure the government in whatever way they want. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. There's the uh, scientific study that sort of backs up the common sense that says that the more people you add to a decision-making process, the more difficult it becomes to actually make those decisions. And it's so true. So decentralization is the way to go, which is why we've seen decentralized activism be so much more powerful and so much more effective than centralized uh, controlled activism. And, and it, the perfect, uh, the most recent perfect example has to be the Ron Paul campaign, where Ron Paul and his campaign staff had no control whatsoever and did not wish to uh, exert control over their various different activists who were very capable of <laughs> exerting control. The, the, but they also encouraged them to do their own thing at the same time. They realized how effective it was, where these activists could just go out there and create whatever sort of activism models they wanted to. They could go out and, you know, some of them made a blimp. They yeah. had the Ron Paul blimp. The blimp was amazing. You can guarantee the well, I don't know how effective it ended up being, but it was I don't know that it was effective, but it's amazing. Right. As far as ROI is concerned, eh, who knows? Who knows? But uh, they, blimps, paid ROI. For, they paid for it all on their own. They organized it all on their own. They didn't have to go to anybody to ask anybody's permission to do it. And that's one of the greatest things about decentralization is nobody's in charge, and that's cool. More coming up. Free talk With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away. So enjoy those, including the updates and the live streams, the bulletin board system, all for free for you at freetalklive.com. Well then, Mark, let's talk about saving lives. Because the government would like you to believe that it's there for you. If there's something that goes wrong... Something in nature, for instance, some sort of catastrophe. Look to FEMA or whatever fill-in-the-blank government agency that is allegedly supposed to keep you safe in a time of trouble. Look to the state, your protectors, your great, great masters. They will protect. They will save your life. They will bring you food. They will bring you water. They will help you in your time of need and trouble. Or maybe not. Yeah, 
you've got to listen to the story. It, it it goes on just a little bit, but the rabbit hole gets deeper. The facts as the facts come out, okay. it's amazing. What's going on? Um, from Nicosia, a tanker load of water sent from Greece to drought-stricken Cyprus. And there's a picture here, which appears is that a country? Cyprus? Cyprus, yeah. Okay, by uh, Greece. Isn't that Cyprus island. Um, no, Crete's the island that's split into that's owned by uh, you know, Turkey and Greece. So Cyprus is, in fact, a Greek isle, um, is is my belief. Okay. Um, it, it may be of its own country. I'm not sure. I've been there, and I can't really tell you. I'll find out for you. Um, Cyprus cannot be used straight away. So the tanker load of water sent from Greece to uh, drought-stricken Cyprus cannot be used straight away. Government officials say on Wednesday, two weeks after Two weeks after the vessel anchored off the island. That's so the island the, of Cyprus. The vessel is full of water to give to grief-stricken people that are yeah. thirsty. Yeah, anchored for two and a half weeks off the island. There's a picture here of what appears to be a desert uh, with the cracked, you know, the whole cracked uh, sand thing that you see when, you know, you think about droughts. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And there's, uh, I don't know, something that looks like a moose uh, in the middle of it. Uh, doesn't so look good. It's really dry is yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> the announcement of a... Um, Further delay in getting the water to households struggling with severe rationing was greeted with derision by the media and at least one opposition political party uh, calling for an investigation. So this is a Cyprus government that's stepping in the way of this? Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's that's my understanding. It had, well, okay. it, it, you'll see that the rabbit hole goes, okay? It had uh, taken a fortnight. That's a week for us Americans. <laughs> okay. Uh, two, excuse me, two weeks. Uh, fortnight's two weeks. Uh, it's two weeks to set up the infrastructure before the tanker containing the 40,000 cubic meters of water, it's big, could start yeah. unloading on Wednesday. So it took two weeks just for the unloading, um, to get ready for the unloading. An agricultural ministry statement said that it would go to aquifers instead of straight to households, as earlier announced, because <laughs> the storage time or chlorination had given it an unpleasant smell. The company denied that the water smelled bad. The, the so we got, wait, wait a minute. People are, are uh, they're, they're dying of thirst. It doesn't say dying. And, it says severe drought, and, severe rationing, <laughs> um, households struggling. Okay. They're having trouble showering. How about that? Yeah. Uh, people are really having trouble with their water situation, and the government is saying, well, uh, we need to put it through a little processing first because it's kind of smelly. Yeah. It's kind of smelly. <laughs> the tanker is the first in a uh, shuttle expected to bring an un- unprecedented eight million cubic meters of water to the island from Greece by the end of November. <laughs> yeah, at this point... By the end of November? You've got to hear this. This is to help the uh, Cyprats, Cypriots uh, cope with one of the worst ever water shortages. A second ship is expected within days. Due to the... Who knows how long that's going to set offshore, right? Due to the chlorination, <laughs> the water smells a bit. But, uh, however, it is not going to waste, the agricultural minister said. In Rest just assured. Two and a half months, we achieved a great feat. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it took two and a half months to get the water to these people. Now, can you imagine if somebody said, you know, that, that if Walmart was handling this and somebody said, we need water, we need it today, we're willing to pay. They would have had it out there and lickety split. Walmart had it there without anybody paying for it. It, it, Lickety split, and, and they were turned around by the government. Th- that's people. in the Katrina incident you're right. talking about. But here, you, the people are relying on their governments to take care of this, and you got two governments dealing with each other. Then you get a contractor, and well, in many cases, it's not the fact that people are relying on the governments; it's just that they can't turn anywhere else because the governments usually stop anyone else who wants to help from helping. And, so, and they've the taken so much rely- of their money that they're not willing to to pay for that on their own. Right. The, the people will rely on whoever it is that brings in the damn water. Yeah. It's just the government won't let anybody but the government bring the water. 
And if your water didn't, you know, didn't come in government-approved containers and you didn't fill out the appropriate paperwork beforehand, turn right around, buddy. That's can't da- you can't have that dangerous water. Well, this story very similar to one of the stories after uh, in the aftermath of Katrina that I don't recall if it was someone who called to tell us about this or, uh, or what. It's been a while. But the story was basically that doctors were arriving at a, a place where there were a lot of people. They, they were coalescing people that were having problems into one location. And mm-hmm. doctors were arriving there to, to help out. And a doctor wanted to go and help with some patients. There was, you know, triage was going on, basically. Right. And uh, this doctor was qualified and able to help with these these folks. And he he wanted to, but he couldn't because the bureaucrats were pre- preventing him from doing so before he went through some sort of bureaucratic process of, of filling out forms and getting approved by FEMA to be a FEMA-approved doctor to work on that particular site. Whoa, where are you going, Buster, in your Hold little on. white j- jacket? Hold on a second. You might help people without permission. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is what we're talking about. Lives are on the line, and all these bureaucrats are concerned with is dotting the I's and crossing T's. Yeah, yeah, it's it's true. Is there more to the water story? Yeah, yeah, it, it goes on. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I I can't believe that it goes on, but it does continue to go on. I, I the um, it the the bureaucrat here, and I'm not even going to attempt his name. <laughs> In just two and a half months, we achieved a great feat. I will not accept that serious mistakes were made. The water will be filtered naturally in aquifers and can be channeled into the water grid. It's not clear how long this would take. So far, it's been two and a half months <laughs> to get a boat from Greece to Cyprus. So they're in the Mediterranean together. Cyprus uh, desalinates seawater, but not enough to cover the needs of its 800,000 people and visitors at the height of tourist season. The tanker carrying okay, the water... Okay, stop for a moment. How would that situation be different if the marketplace was in charge of water instead of the government being in charge of getting water to people if the marketplace were responsible for this there would be no drought because people in search of profit would get out and they'd figure out ways to get the water to the people as necessary because they've got customers to satisfy if they needed more desalination capability it would be built whereas the government well sorry we just don't have enough <laughs> if disney world needs more bathrooms because people come they build them right we're surrounded by water here on cyprus but well we don't have enough desalination and you know what can we do we're the government people i mean it's amazing that somebody could sit out there and say well we need the government to take care of us we need them what if we did if we didn't have what do you you guys how can you say the marketplace would take care of people they would leave people starving and dying in the streets because they wouldn't have water you know those greedy corporate capitalists they wouldn't help anybody you know and they give all the credit for anything that's ever happened in history to the government it's it's insane you'd, you'd think that uh, you know that, that the government saw, has solved all the problems in the free marketplace that the free marketplace has in our history it's amazing to me but they will they'll, they'll credit the government for bringing us out of the great depression whoa people the government was the one who put us in the great depression there was more you said to the story yeah uh, well yeah, yeah, yes i have to i have to switch between pages here so the tanker was carrying the water sail to cyprus with much fanfare there was fireworks trumpets and oh, a blessing no. from the island's senior christian clerics at the end of june <laughs> Holy water went stinky, uh, wrote the uh, Daily <laughs> Politis. Cyprus's reservoirs are only 6.7% full. Emergency measures have rationed running water into households, while some borehole supplying communities have been shut down because they are at risk of seawater contamination. The solution is never to turn water supply over to the marketplace. It's always to ration and to cut back. Right, When it absolutely. comes to the government, it's always to ration. Have we ever had to ration hamburgers? No. 
No. Ration housing, ration, ration all the important things to life. Nothing, no. nothing. If, if it's provided by the marketplace, there's no shortage unless the government steps in to create an artificial one. We have running water twice a week, says uh, Nikki Saturnio, seven, 27. Running water wow. twice a week. And they're even concerned about th- stinky water. You've right. got stinky people. <laughs> what, you're not going to be able to the water. That they're now uh, saying that our water is not safe for consumption, so I'm not even giving it to my dog any tap water to drink in case it causes him harm. My goodness. Is there more to this? No, nope, that's it. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever it is that you want. You want shortages? Put the government in charge. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up anything via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Only moments remain, just enough time for your call, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Hey, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can vote for us. If you haven't done it yet this month, it's a once-a-month thing. Simple request that we make from our listeners. If you like the program, just go to vote freetalklive.com and cast your vote for the show. Very simple. Take you less than a minute. All you need is an email address, and it makes a big difference for us in the podcast alley rankings. Yeah, apparently not quite simple enough. We're still sitting at number two. Tisk tisk. We, we need less than fifty votes uh, to move us up, and we just we seem to be stalled out there in in, in that position. And if if you get up right now and go take care of this, I swear it won't take any time at all. Um, if you just IM a few friends, ask them to go to vote.freetalklive.com, we can get this taken care of, and we can be in the number one position. It's the 17th. We really should be in the number one position by now. Absolutely. Please help us out at vote.freetalklive.com. So we talked a moment ago about how if you want something to fail, put the government in charge of it. I mean, these fools can't even get water to uh, thirsty people, yeah. they can't help you. You cannot expect or count on these people for assistance. And unfortunately, because of the government, you can't count on anyone else for assistance because in most disaster situations, the government prohibits anybody else from coming in to help. So those people who are most qualified and most motivated to come in and help in a situation are prevented from entering uh, the, the zones that are restricted and cordoned off uh, by the government people. So the people that actually need the help end up starving to death and dying because the government wasn't there when they needed them the most. And no amount of changing bureaucrats around is going to fix that problem. No amount of bureaucratic restructuring, no amount of new funding, no amount of buying new toys or whatever is going to fix that problem. It has to do with what we talked about before, this, you know, the command and control mentality, the centralization of control, where everybody who wants to do something has to go to the central authority to get approval first and make sure the forms are filled out right and all this bureaucratic nonsense that goes along with the process of whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish. And you just gave a, an, a perfect example out of the country of Cyprus as to how there's 40 tons, cubic tons or whatever, of water sitting out there waiting for people to, to get it, and the government is just dragging their feet, at, and they're patting themselves on the back at the same time. They're dragging their feet. It's been two. It's been like a month and a half or whatever that it's been sitting there docked waiting for people to, to get the, mu- the It's been uh, the sitting water. there docked uh, for, uh, for two weeks, and uh, it took two and a half months in total oh, to, get to get ready this done. Yeah. It, right? they, had to, they had to do stuff in order to bring the water in. It's incredible. And so... 
it's just failure after failure, yet people still believe, they still have this indoctrinated belief set that says that, well, we need government. They're helping. They're keeping us safe. And it's just nonsense. They're putting you in danger. The government being in control of such a critical resource as water. I mean, this is the blood of human life. 70% of your body is water, as I understand it. At least that's what I learned in government school. But this is the most critical, arguably the most critical thing for your life. And government is in charge of it? No wonder when there's a shortage of water, they can't find solutions quick quick, and quick. They're, they're the government. They do everything slowly, poorly, inefficiently. Yeah. Well... There is a little bit of competition in the world of helping people, in the world of saving lives, and it's a story that's kind of familiar. We've actually talked about this in the past, and the AP is reporting on private firefighters. You know those California wildfires mm-hmm. that are destroying all kinds of property and destroying lives? Well, seated behind the wheel of a fire engine, Dave Breglia follows a map dotted with expensive homes threatened by wildfires. His job is to protect high-end real estate and save an insurance company millions of dollars. Breglia, who's a private contractor, said, I'll never know where I'll go next or how long I'll be there, but this season I'll bet I'll be on the road until October. Business is booming for private firefighting companies as drought and soaring temperatures combine to create one of the worst fire seasons in years across the West. Some contractors are even acquiring their own fire engines and flying helicopters. But some fire officials questioned the reliance on private crews, raising doubts about their training and whether they could get in the way of government firefighters. Others are concerned that a trend toward privatization will give protection to the wealthy but leave other homeowners vulnerable to the flames. These fools, these government bureaucrats, know absolute jack squat about what business is all about. They, they, and they're showing their ignorance here. Oh, you're going to get in our way! Hey, you can't, you can't, wait wait a minute, you're out there doing, you're actually fighting fires successfully, you're making us look bad. Mm. That's not what they're saying, but that's actually what's going on here. And they're using the old, well, you guys are only helping wealthy people. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. The fire marketplace is, it's, it's displaced. It's not how it normally would be. Normally, without government fire protection, we would have the McDonald's of fire protection where there would be very low-cost insurance, very basic protection measures, stuff that would be enough to protect a house but not go over and above the call of duty. And the rich people could still have their uh, over-excessive fire protections that they want to have. Can poor people afford big-screen TVs today? Well, no. Well, yes, the hell they the hell they can't. Have you ever been in a poor person's home, Mark? Well, I I, I must live in one. I don't have a big screen TV. Well, you're oh, not a poor I guess person. I have a big screen TV. I don't have a one of those flat plasma screen TVs. If right. that's what you're asking. You me. can get a plasma screen or not a plasma. You can get an LCD set, thirty-seven inches for less than a thousand bucks. It's a nice big. screen. I haven't got that kind of money to spend on a television. Poor set. Poor people do. They have that kind of money to spend on. Oh, what I'm pointing out here, Mark, is that these kinds of TVs. When they came out, were a hundred thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars, sixty thousand dollars, and now they're down in the thousand to two to three thousand dollar range. Mm-hmm. Because when a service is available in the marketplace, it starts expensive usually, and the early adopters they don't usually get the best version. You know, the people that bought the Xbox 360 when it came out, they you know there Little were some buggy. bugs. There were some bugs. And they had this, the early adopters that's part of what they deal with to be the first kid on the block to, the block to have uh, you know product X. 
And so as it comes out and, it, and the marketplace says, yeah, this is a good product, more people start to buy it. As more people start to buy it, it becomes more affordable for the companies to, uh, to manufacture them, it. Yeah, and produce the economy them, of scale. And to lower the costs. And so the same thing would happen with fire protection. Fire protection. How often do places burn down? It's not that damn often. No, it's not that common. So for the most part, fire protection would be relatively a profitable business. And but the, they burn down more often than they flood, I, I think. And the fees are, would be relatively low. Because if you aren't paying a lot of claims, you don't have to charge a lot of money for the protection services. Now, would the fees be higher in the uh, areas of California where there are a lot of fires? Probably. Probably be the case. But to suggest that, oh, well, poor people will never be able to afford fire protection, it's ludicrous. First of all, most poor people don't have their own houses. So the poor people that you're talking about would be renting. And the rentals would include protection for fire because the landlords don't want to lose their house. They don't right. lose their assets. My biggest concern with uh, renting uh, my, my properties is, you know, right up there, uh, you know, it's, it's water and fire. That Those are my concerns. I, I, I'm concerned that renters will, uh, you know, light candles and leave them burning and set houses on fire. So what else do these fools have to say from the government? Janet Upton, a spokesbureaucrat for the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, says, Life has to come first, then property. We know the number of private contractors is on the rise. If they communicate with us, then they could be an asset. If not, they're a big liability. By Tuesday, most of the blazes started by a huge lightning storm more than three weeks ago had been extinguished, and some of the largest fires were nearing containment. Fires have blackened more than 1,300 square miles in places like Big Sur and other parts of California. About 100 homes have been destroyed and many others damaged. We've really turned a corner, said a state fire department spokesman, but we have to remember that this is just July, and our biggest fires are historically in September and October. 288 blazes are still active, according to the bureaucrats, and most are in the mountaintops. The move toward private fire crews is in some ways a throwback to an earlier era where homeowners in colonial times joined together to form fire clubs that protected members' homes. Early fire departments were often supported by insurance companies that had a vested interest in preventing disaster. Yeah. In modern times, timber and oil companies have used private firefighters for years, but now insurers concerned about the high cost of home replacement are hiring private contractors, too. Now, look, if the government was good at doing what it does, and in this case, fighting fires, and I'm not denying, some of those firefighters, they love their jobs. Right. Oh, I don't want to say that they're not brave people that are trying to do, you know, the best when it comes to fighting fires, but they're hamstrung by the bureaucracy that they work for. Right. If if the the marketplace is demanding greater fire protections, the government bureaucracy cannot respond to those marketplace demands because it's insulated from market signals. It doesn't even know that the market is demanding those things. So it has no idea what to do as a result of what the marketplace is looking for. But luckily, people in search of profit can step in and they can help save these homes from burning down. But if these bureaucrats had their way, all the pri- private fire departments would be out of business and they would just say, well, your house should burn down because it's good for the community. Oh, but hey, look, lives come before property. Just a bunch of nonsense, these fools. Well, you know, thank goodness they're at least not outlawing these private companies yet. Yet. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Have a great night. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? 
First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details.